Welcome to the Ramp Church Podcast. We are so honoured that you've joined us today and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Ramp Church Manchester or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website, ramp.church forward slash mcr or find us on social media. Now let's head straight into this week's message. Happy Christmas weekend. I hope your weekend's been a good one and I'm really thankful to be together with you today. And one of the best ways to make this space special is if we can kind of turn this out of just watching something happen on a screen to actually interacting. So maybe you do have this on your television in your living room. Well, maybe grab your mobile and just engage in the chat while this message is going on because you may be all by yourself, but there are other people who are watching this along with you. Maybe this is your first time tuning in. Let us know where you're watching from, and we'd love just to get to know you a bit. And if you wanna get in touch, those links are right under this viewing screen. So if you're new and you just want to, to learn more about Ramp Church, you can click that link that says new here. If maybe you wanna make a decision um, to follow Jesus in a fresh way, then there's also a link there that says I have decided. So. There's some great ways to get involved today and not just listen. Also, at the end of my message, we're gonna be taking communion together. So this may be a good time to go grab some communion supplies real quick. I have mine right here. And so we'll take that together at the end. And, uh, but also, if you missed worship for any reason, everything we do here at Ramp Church is available on demand. So you can, you can view that at youtube.com forward slash Ramp Church MCR and go back and be a part of the, those incredible hymns and Christmas songs. And I know you're going to want to watch those again. If you did catch them, I certainly will. So let's get into my message for today to kind of set us up for communion. And I've noticed something interesting about people of faith. Most people of faith can trace their faith journey back to a moment where the reality of God kind of clicked for them. And it may have taken days, maybe weeks or months, or maybe even years to kind of lead up to that moment. But they can still look back and there was a moment when kind of the penny dropped or their eyes were opened to, to something fresh that they'd never seen before. And uh, when I think about what kind of leads up to that moment, maybe, maybe you're in that journey. Maybe you've already had the moment. Maybe you've never had the moment. Maybe you're, you're standing here going, yes, I've had hundreds of those moments. Or maybe you're just watching with a family member today. Wherever you're at or whatever you'd call yourself today, uh, I'm glad you're here. But I want to talk about some of those moments today and how do we respond to that. And here's what I've discovered about those points and what can we call them? Maybe we can call them openness when we're open is you can actually miss those moments. We can have a moment where maybe the reality of God can, can be plain to us or that there is something more to life. But because of the busyness of life, we can push we can push on through. Um, I'm a child of the 80s and 90s, so I grew up on rom-coms. Any anybody else in in the uh, in the audience? Yeah, yeah, that's me. So, uh, and I had a lot of girls in my house, so I really didn't have a choice. Sorry, gents, 
And so I can remember this like common rom-com storyline where there's this couple that hates each other and they're angry at each other, but they end up falling in love with each other. There's, there's like 40 movies with that exact storyline. And at some point, everybody who's watching the film can see what's going on, but those two people can't see what's going on. It's like they're, they're oblivious to the fact that they're falling in love with each other and everybody else is like, yeah, but you're falling in love with each other. And then a moment happens where like something happens, like they're, one of them's like gazing through the window into the cafe, like looking at the person sitting there with their cup of coffee. And it's like all of a sudden I was angry, but now in a moment I'm connecting all the dots and it's like, it's happening in my life. And they can trace this whole romantic story back to a moment. And it's amazing because all of us experience rom-com or not, rom-com, uh, although that's not a real life, we do get some moments where something happens. We experience something other than maybe the situation. And I wonder if in eternity, people of faith, if we're gonna actually look back and see our story, or if maybe from the perspective of, of eternity now, looking at our story, there's some things that look pretty obvious from the outside, but when you're in the story, it's not quite as obvious. Like you're not getting the clues of what's actually happening, that maybe there is something beyond this life that we're living. And I think at the end of all things, and this is, this is why we can learn a lot from people who their deathbed reflections, you know, those are obviously impacting to us. Why? Because sometimes moments, we have these moments where things clear up. It's like we can see things for what they really are. But I've discovered that we can have those in the now. They're kind of like these transcendent moments. I know I'm really abstract here, but I'm going to bring it home in a few minutes. And sometimes it can be, sometimes it's when we're in nature. Maybe you're all by yourself, freshly fallen snow, and there's like this eerie silence, and you just get this feeling of like, oh my goodness, I see my life for what it really is. Sometimes that's in holidays. And I think it's wild that in a culture that is primarily secular, uh, we don't have a, a primarily religiously driven culture. We still put so much emphasis on holidays. Now, it's probably because our businesses need holidays to survive financially for the rest of the year. So probably as long as we have commerce, we're going to have holidays. But nonetheless, there are moments. It could be around the dining room table. It could be while you're watching your kids open gifts. And it's a moment where you stop thinking about what I got or what I didn't get, what I wished I had or who's here or who's not here. And it's like for a moment I get a glimpse that life is about something more. And I believe, this may sound like a stretch to you, but just, just hang on with me here. I believe that's a bit of eternity breaking into time. And I actually believe that those are spiritual moments. And maybe for you, you've narrowed like all of your life down to something very natural, transactional or commercial, or it could be something connected to your desires or your aspirations, something very uh, uh, rational maybe or intellectual. But there's something about those moments. Maybe it's at the front row of a symphony orchestra and you're just sitting there and you're overwhelmed. But something about when, when you go, I think there's more than what I'm tasting in this moment. And I think those moments of eternity breaking in those spiritual moments, we should be sensitive to those. And my fear, if I can share a fear, 
that I have for you, for all of, all of you listening and watching today, is that you ignore those moments. My fear is that eternity is trying to break into your world, to try, to try to get you not to just live in those realities as moments, but that you can actually stretch those moments in, into, into minutes or hours or weeks, that you can live with an awareness of what really matters in life. And my fear is that those little moments that are trying to get us to see something more than what we can touch and taste and smell, is that those go by, that, that, that they miss us and we miss them. And I think it's a powerful thing. It's a powerful idea for us to stop it, to stop and, and wonder about. Dorothy Sayers, uh, who's, who's an author, she wrote a book called Christian Letters to a Post-Christian World. She, she tries to sum up this dynamic. She calls this dynamic that I'm talking about where, where we're kind of missing eternity breaking and she calls it spiritual despair. Now maybe that sounds a bit exaggerated, but I think her definition, it really hits home with me. And, and I think it will for you too. This is what she says about this. She says that that, that, that spiritual despair, that it is, it's a type of sin, and it's a sin that believes in nothing. It enjoys nothing. It hates nothing. It finds purpose in nothing. It lives for nothing, and it, it, it remains alive because there's nothing for which it will die. It's this kind of spiritual sleepiness, almost an apathy where we enjoy those, those, those moments of eternity breaking through, but it's almost like reality sometimes can be a bit too scary to stay awake. Like I want to kind of go back to sleep actually and not care too deeply about that. I want to drink from it for moments, but I want to tell you there's actually an invitation for us to step into these eternal moments and find a fulfillment that we can't find anywhere else. And I, I do wanna just highlight here that we're leading up to communion. I love how communion is actually an experiential reality, something we can experience not just in, in, in the way it, it hits our senses, but it can be a spiritual reality to us as well. The Apostle John was one of Jesus' followers, and I'm gonna read something he wrote here in a minute. But when he first came in contact with Jesus, he was a teenager. and uh, we don't know a whole lot of details about his family life or his growing up or his career aspirations, but we do know that when Jesus died, when he was executed, and then when he, when he was raised from the dead, and then when he ascended to heaven, that John was still a teenager, so he, he was quite young. And eventually, he would become one of the most prominent church leaders. He would move to, to western Turkey to a, a, a city called Ephesus, and he was a church leader there, and he wrote three letters that are now in, in our New Testament, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And when he wrote these letters, they were then distributed to the, to the region of churches where he was a leader in these churches, and then they were read to all those congregations. So I want to read you a little excerpt from that letter. This was written about AD 80, and John would have been an octogenarian at this point. He's in his 80s. He's old, and he's got a lot of wisdom for us. But he kind of speaks into this dynamic about eternity and he connects it to, to, to time, these little moments where we get to witness what's going on behind the scenes. And I'll, I want to read this to you. It's, it's a bit long and sometimes a bit cumbersome in the wording, but, but hang on with me. This is 1 John chapter number 1, and we're going, to read, uh, we're going to read that whole chapter. It's only about 10 verses. Look at this. 
John says, that which was from the beginning, he's talking about Jesus, and he's saying, he just uses this word beginning to mean the beginning of all things. So Jesus was from the beginning, and then he brings that kind of transcendent truth into something that's happening in a moment. And he's telling his own story here a bit. He says this, that which was from the beginning, which we, he's talking about the followers of Jesus in that day, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. I love this because John is opening up his letter and he is saying, uh, I saw Jesus. I actually touched him with my hands. I heard him. He was a human. I saw him with my eyes. That it was, it was an actual reality that I experienced. And that's one of the first things I want to let you know, wherever you're at in your faith journey today, we're not talking about a faith that is simply an idea or a philosophy. That actually the beauty of the Christmas season is that we're talking about a historical event, something that actually happened in time. There was a time when Jesus wasn't born, and then there was a day when he was born. And he was a human, fully God, fully man, and John saw him. So this is an eyewitness account. He's coming from that place of, I experienced this human. But we know that there were thousands of people that, that saw Jesus, that touched Jesus, and heard Jesus, but didn't realize who he was. And this is going back to those moments. John saw him, heard him, and touched him, and can say in this letter, he was the word of life. That it was more than just a moment I was experiencing. John had eyes to see and ears to hear that there was eternity in that moment. There was something beyond what he was just seeing and hearing that was drawing him to another world. And this is what he says. Concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest. It was made human. It was tangible. Which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, those that were with him. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you. So I'm telling you about what I personally saw and heard so that you too may have fellowship with us. And I love that. John is saying the purpose of me telling is so that by my telling you what I saw and heard, you can also see and hear it. This is an amazing uh, revelation because what John is saying is you can have the same revelation that I had of who he was, even if you didn't see him and hear him in the natural. This is what I mean by that. There is an eternal reality of who Jesus is, of who God is, and you and I have an invitation to meet him, and it can be just as real to you and me as if he was standing to you, standing in front of you in the flesh. That's what John's saying. I actually saw him in the flesh, but he is so real, and he can be so real to you now, and he wants to break through in the moment that you and I live in, that you and I can have fellowship, is what John is saying, around that reality. And that word fellowship, it's kind of an archaic word, isn't it? But the Greek word behind that is the word koinonia. Maybe you've heard of that. But it's the idea of communion. It's, it's about sharing something together. It's, it's, a, it's a mutual benefit of, of a shared reality, is, is what he's trying to get to. 
And what he's saying is, I saw him with my eyes. I heard him with my ears. I touched him with my hands. But he is so real now that you can have the same experience I had, even though he's no longer here in the flesh. He's in heaven. He says, the life was made manifest. I'm going back to verse 2. And we've seen it, and we testified to it, and now we're proclaiming it to you, and it's the eternal life. I love that he calls Jesus right there the eternal life. He's not saying Jesus gives you eternal life. He's saying Jesus is eternal life. There's some of us that we're living life, but we're not really living life. We have those moments, like we talked about, of transcendence breaking, and where I'm seeing this clearly, or I'm getting a taste. Maybe there's something more to this. What is that? It's Jesus trying to get our attention. Eternal life is not some ethereal concept. It's a person. It's a man. He's alive. He's in heaven. He lived on earth. He was executed. He, beat, he defeated death. He was raised from the dead. He ascended to heaven. And now he is seeking relationship with you and me. And in those moments, he's looking to find those transcendent moments where we taste something otherworldly. And he's trying to use those as a sign to point to eternal life. And that eternal life is not a thing. It's not, a, it's not something we buy with, with, with a, the ethereal currency. It's a person. And it's a person who we can meet. And you can meet him today. And, and maybe you have met him, but you can find him in a fresh way today. John goes on to say this. We're, pro we're proclaiming this to you so that you can have fellowship with us. He, what he means by us is all of those that saw him in the flesh and heard him in the flesh and touched him in the flesh. And indeed, our fellowship, I love it, he's using this present tense. Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. He didn't say it was with, he said it is with. And today, you can have fellowship with the Father, and with the Son. And we're writing these things so that our joy or your joy may be complete. That in finding that, in discovering that, we find joy. And he's, he's getting to that thing that we're still, many of us are still on the search for and we're trying to find it without God. We're trying to find it with so many other things. It's that happiness. That's what, that's what you're searching for. For many people, this season uh, is of course filled with joy, but for many, many people, it's filled with anxiety as well and stress. We're searching for that. What is that? That longing for happiness, that longing for more. John says it's found. It's found when you actually see him, when you hear him, when you taste of his goodness now, and it's just as real now. John says this is the message that we heard from him, and we're, pro we're proclaiming it to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, with other people who have discovered the light. That's what he's saying. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. What's the invitation there? The invitation is, is sometimes we just, we minimize sin to just doing bad things. And it's certainly that, but it's so much more than that. It's this invitation to stop living in the dark, 
the darkness of minimizing all of life to these, to, to these material things or these insignificant things. And it's the opportunity to live in the light, the full revelation. Let's turn the lights on and see life for what it really is. See God for who he really is. See myself for who I really am. And then realize I'm in need of a savior. I can't do this on my own. I can't live in, I can't, I can't even find the light switch, much, much less turn the light switch on. I need help. I, someone needs to show me where the light switch is so I can turn on, so I can live in that place of light. And that is the invitation. And when we find Jesus, the eternal life, he cleanses us from sin. He cleanses us from darkness. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I love how plain John gets there. He's trying to say, if you say you're not in darkness, if you say you're minimizing life or you're living for things that are insignificant, you're just, you're just fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. You do it, I do it, and the best, the best thing to do is just come clean about that and go, I need help. I need help to find the way out of this. If we confess, then he tells us what to do. If we confess our sin, so just come clean. Just be honest. If we confess our sin, Jesus is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, any debt that is owed any, any, any brokenness that we caused because of, of our life of, 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 of living in the dark, God will cleanse that life. And then he's going to lead us into life forevermore. He's going to lead us into a place of just walking in the light, not momentarily, but every day, every week, every month, every year, living in the light of his truth. If we say we've, we've not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. It's amazing the opportunity that we have. Yes, every day, but at times like this at Christmas. And I, I love this quote from, from N.T. Wright um, in his book, Simply Christian. He says this about these moments that we experience with Jesus. And I want to read this over you. And um, this is what he says. Jesus is, at the moment, present with us. But hidden behind that invisible veil which keeps heaven and earth apart and which we pierce in those moments such as prayer, the sacraments, the reading of scripture, and our work with the poor, when the veil seems particularly thin, this is where we started our message, one day the veil will be lifted, heaven and earth will be one, Jesus will be personally present and every knee shall bow at his name. Creation will be renewed. In other words, it will be filled with light and life once again. The dead will be raised and God's new world will at last be in place full of new prospects and possibilities. That reality, and when you and I are there, we're going to see every day in this life clearly. But the opportunity for you and I is to invite that moment into now. And the way, the way we can ensure that we're living in the light on that day is to invite light in this day. That's the opportunity that you and I have. The way we can ensure when the light switch comes on on all of creation and the entire universe and everything is renewed that the way we can ensure that we're a part of that renewal work is that we invite the searchlight 
of God's spirit into our heart, into our mind, into our actions, into our conversations, into our relationships today, today. And I want to I, I wanna give you a really corny preacher acronym that I made. Can I do that? I know it's Christmas weekend, but let's, let's just get corny. So I made an acronym, and this, this is to help you remember how to respond when you feel eternity is wanting to get your attention. When you feel like the word of truth, the word of life, eternal life, Jesus himself, maybe it's, maybe it's through a friend, maybe it's through reading scripture, maybe it's through prayer, maybe it's through a Christmas hymn. When you feel like Jesus is trying to get your attention, I want to tell you the worst thing you can do is just keep going. It's just pretending like it didn't happen or, or, or just maybe attributing a tiny bit of worth to that moment, like, hmm, that was neat or inspirational. I want to tell you what you should do, and I'm going to tell you in an acronym, SOAR, S-O-A-R, SOAR. The first, the first letter, S, is, and this is the first way I want you to respond when you feel heaven calling you, is to stop. 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 Uh, Psalms 46.10 says this, be still and know that I am God. You know, I, I think the curse of, modern, of, of the modern world is uh, motion. <laughs> it's movement. It is constant activity. And so often the meaningful can't break in to, to really show us what matters in life is because there's so, much, there's so much movement in our lives. There's notifications and there's emails and there's demands and there's opportunities that I haven't said yes to and there's a new album and there's a new party and there's a new whatever. There's a new drink at Starbucks for this holiday. I mean, whatever it is, it's like I've got to go do it. And there's this FOMO that is like, that's like hounding me, this constant motion. And I believe sometimes that motion is keeping us from hearing heaven and responding rightly. It's why the first letter I want to teach you is stop, just stop. That sometimes knowing God comes from creating space. Be still and know that I am God. So when you feel heaven calling you, stop. The next letter is open. Stop, open your heart. There's, there's not really anything we need to bring to Jesus to make sure that we don't miss that moment except openness, except need. That's it. And if you've ever needed, you know that is actually a vulnerable place. But that's all that's required. And some of us, we don't recognize those heavenly places because we really don't think we need anything. And we're, we're, we're living, we're telling ourselves this self-sufficient narrative. In our own mind, we're, we're believing the fact that I've got all it takes to make it in life. I'm a good enough person to see the light. And the, the beauty of the biblical story is this realization that no, actually it, has, it takes something outside of us to see what life is really all about. And that person is Jesus. And so we stop, but then we also have to open our heart. But some of you, you've disqualified yourself, not because you think you have it all together, but you, you, you don't think you have enough to bring to him. You're like, Joe, you don't know what I've done. I don't deserve to, to, to respond to eternity with a yes. And I want to tell you, Jesus has done all you and I ever need to be right with God. Did you hear what I said? He's done all you and I ever need to do to be right with God. That is the point. That's the point. 
The point is not what have you done to deserve to receive from heaven. The point is have you opened your heart and believed that who Jesus is and what he's done is enough. The way to salvation is through the grace of God and it's through the faith in the grace of God. And that's the invitation. So first you stop. Second, you open your heart. I love Hebrews 3.15. It says, Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. It's an invitation, the writer of Hebrews is saying, to what Jesus has done and to say yes to that. So stop, open your heart. A is ask, ask. Stop, open, ask. First John, later on in this same letter, John asks in verse, uh, verse um, 14 and 15 of chapter 5. This is what he says. This is the confidence that we have toward God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. When you pray, you're not, you're not just shouting at, 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 at the ceiling. You're not talking to people next to you. If you hear heaven beckoning you and you open your heart and then you ask, 1 John tells us that if you ask anything according to his will, that he hears you. And if you know that he hears you in whatever you ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked from God. You can be confident that he hears and that if it's according to his will, you have it. That's the confidence we have in what Jesus has done for us. Stop, open, ask, respond soar. So what I want you to do, I want you to stop. I want you to open. I want you to ask. I want you to respond. Stop, open, ask, respond. What does it look like to respond? I think it's Matthew 11. Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 30. Jesus says, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. That's the invitation. This is what he says, take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. How do you respond? Well, when you ask, Jesus, what do you have for me? What do you want from me? You say yes to the thing that he's asking, that he's wanting to give you. And I love this opportunity right here. Jesus is saying, you have a yoke. You have something that's weighing you down. There's something on your soul that's heavy. It can be your own brokenness. It can be someone else's brokenness that's affecting you. It, whatever it is, there's something that's weighing on you. It could be financial lack. It can be, it can be anxiety about your future. It can be relational tensions. It can be a broken marriage. Whatever it is today, that's the yoke you're carrying. And Jesus' invitation is, 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 he's saying, come to me, you can give me that weight, and instead, I will give you no weight at all. He's really using a word picture here to say, I'll give you my yoke, it's light, that's, the, those two, that's contradictory. What he's saying is, I'll give you my, my non-yoke yoke. That's what, he, that's what he's trying to say. I'll give, you in, I'll give you in return for the weight you give me. I will give you a lightness of soul, and then I'll teach you to live that way. That's the invitation. 
The weight that you and I carry is a result of sin. It's a result of brokenness. It's a result of darkness. It's a result of living separate from God, whether that's your life, someone else's life, the world at large. But the invitation is to come and bring that brokenness, bring that darkness to Jesus. And in return, he's going to teach us. We can learn from him and we can carry we can carry the grace that he's wanting to give us today. That's what's on my heart for you. And I want you and I to respond to this moment. Let's soar together. However corny that is, I don't want you to forget it. Stop, open, ask, respond. And let's take communion together. Go ahead and get whatever you have. It can be a slice of bread and some milk. It doesn't really matter. Whatever you have there in your house, it's going to work because it's really about communing with Jesus and it's about what we do with this time and with this space. And this is an opportunity for us to invite all that I've been talking about for you to make this personal. And if you've never taken this meal before, I don't want you to see it as a religious ritual. What I want you to see is you inviting this story the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and the rule and reign of Jesus. I want you to invite that storyline into your life. I want you to say yes to that storyline. I want you to say yes to the invitation of Jesus to take his yoke and his burden. So let's, let's get these elements, this bread and this drink. And I, I just want to read Uh, the first time that this meal was served. And I'm going to read out of Luke's account, Luke chapter 22. And I'm going to read verses 14, 15, 16, and then 19 and 20. And this is what it says. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. And I just want to tell you that. If this, maybe, maybe you've been a Christian for longer than I've been alive. Maybe this is the first time you've considered even making what Jesus has done to you personal. This is the word to you. Jesus has been very eager for this moment. He's been eager for this this transaction. He's not not looking at this begrudgingly like, oh man, here they come to me again in need. Oh my goodness, there's so much darkness in their life. I can't wait till they clean their act up. I can't wait to get it all, I can't wait to get it all together. Oh my goodness, here they are. They're drawing on my grace again. They're wanting me to turn the lights on. This is his joy. This is why he came. He didn't have to come, but he did. And he's eager. He's eager to make the work that he did personal to you and personal to me. I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God and, and until he makes all things new, like we learned from Tom Wright a little while ago. Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces and he handed it out. He gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And Ramp Church, Let's do that. Let's let's take the body of Jesus, which was given for us, for the healing of our bodies, for for the wholeness of our souls. And today, remember that it's because of this body that we are made right with God. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 20 says this, After supper, he took another cup of wine, and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. 
<laughs> There's, he, couldn't, he couldn't sign an agreement with any higher currency than his own blood. It's, in a, it's a covenant between God and you, God and me. And it's, it's a covenant that is confirmed with the blood of Jesus. And it was poured out as a sacrifice for you and I. And it's because of this blood, Ramp Church, that you and I can even, be, can even pray to God today and be heard. We thank you for that, Father, for that our sins are washed clean and white as snow. Thank you for that today, Jesus. Take, take, take the cup, Ramp Church, and drink. And I want to pray over you as we close the service today. Father, thank you. Thank you for every person watching that we're not, we're, we're not alone. Whatever life situation we're in, whatever challenge we find ourselves in, whatever questions we have today, that your promise is that you're with us. And that when we seek you today, that we will find you. And I thank you that as we've made the, the, the sacrifice, the body and the blood of Jesus, personal and real to us, Father, that we find the life of God. And I just pray over every person watching, Father, whether they're new to faith, whether they're exploring faith, or whether they're, they're mature in their relationship with God, I just pray, Father, for fresh life today. I pray that they can find that place in you where there's an exchange of weight there's an exchange of burdens and that they find the life and the light of God today. I thank you, Father, for, for people who are making first-time decisions with Jesus. And I just ask, Father, that you would just fill them, even in this moment, to say yes to you and to mean it from their heart, but to also find the grace that you give. In Jesus' name, amen. And maybe, maybe you have never made a decision to follow Jesus. I would love to pray with you right now. If, if that's you, I, would, I just want to make sure that inside yourself, you just make, you just recognize, I want to pray this prayer. I want to say this for real. I want to pray with you right now. And I'm just going to give you some words to pray along with me. But if you mean them from your heart, that decision can shift things in your life today. You can literally exchange burdens can literally put down the burden on your heart and find the lightness and the grace of God. So just pray this along with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for the life of Jesus. Thank you that in my place, Jesus died. Thank you that my sin has been dealt with on the cross of Jesus Christ. Today, I receive the life of God in Christ and I put my faith in the resurrected Jesus. I thank you for the life that you have for me. I give you my burdens and I receive that life today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So thankful for this moment with you and I'm thankful Ramp Church to be gathered all over our city and even in other nations worshiping today on this Christmas weekend. And if you're not a part of a Ramp Church community or a prayer meeting, definitely go check those out. Ramp.church forward slash MCR is our website. You can find details about that. We're starting a brand new season of communities in about a month's time. But we have some awesome events coming up 
in January that you want to find out. We have a, a, a corporate fast, a 21-day fast. We're really going to set the tone for the year, and I'm so excited about that. But we're going to be talking about vision and other things all throughout January to get your year started in the right direction. So thanks for being a part of the service today, and we'll talk soon. You are loved.